0: Go, we went through the Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit. Um, what's another one? Blessed are gentle. the gentle, blessed are the pure in heart, blessed are those who hunger and thirst. You guys are all over the map, but you're getting it. Blessed are those who mourn, right? And, and it's that idea of, so here's the thing, okay, um, that it's probably the single most important thing um, that I can pass on to you guys. Um, in Jesus' ministry as he was teaching this, and as Matthew um, kind of conveys it to us. He starts out and he's, uh, he, he shows this kind of beginning part of Jesus' ministry. Um, and he's about to ask us to do something um, that for all intents and purposes is some of the most difficult things me and you will ever be asked to do. But it's really interesting because he starts out not trying to get us to figure out what everyone else needs to change. He said, listen, if this is going to work at all, First and foremost, you got you to gotta really love me, okay? Jesus yeah. has been around by the time these things happen. Jesus has been around long enough that people were like, dang, that's the guy I want to follow. Like, I've seen him healing people. Like, I've seen how he treats people. I see how he treats people different than the other rabbis treat people. I see how he lives this out. I mean, Jesus really is, is like, hey, really, guys, come and follow me. That would be so enticing to people who are really seeking righteousness, because they would, they would see and they have seen how Jesus has lived his life. And, and the point is to go, man, I'm, I'm curious, Jesus. Like, why are you different than other people? Like, how you do life is so different than I see other religious people doing life. And so we remember a number of weeks ago we talked about just this fantastic part of the scripture when Jesus just says, hey, guys, come and follow me. Like, that is such, I mean, I'm not kidding you. What an honor for Jesus to say, guys, follow me because I'll teach you how to do life. And sometimes, you know what, we forget about that. We think discipleship is like this religious experience. Yeah. Like he's going to teach us how to sing together and he's going to teach us how to, you know, do religious things together. But you know what, I don't know if you're different than me, but whenever I start doing religious things, man, my life doesn't get any better. Yeah. Like religious things tend to make me very like boring I don't get really excited about religious things. I don't listen to contemporary Christian music. All right. I, I know, I, yeah. Like I talk to people and they're like, hey, did you hear that new one from from, uh, you know, Zion's people? And I'm like, I don't know who that is. I don't know that song. Hey, did you hear that new one about? And they're like, you lead a church and you don't listen to. Con-? I'm like, listen, here's what I want us to know is being religious and listening to Christian music doesn't make me like Jesus. About. I hope the only thing that people say is, you don't know what you might not listen to whatever. I don't even know what the names are anymore. OK, but I want them to know that I love people the way Jesus loved people. That's way harder than listening to music. Yeah. OK, because my my innate part of me doesn't want to love people like I want to nitpick people and find out what's wrong with people and all that kind of stuff. And So Jesus starts out and he's saying, hey, what an honor. Like, come and follow me. You know, have you ever been given like a, a an, some kind of attention or honor where you're like, I really don't deserve that? Yeah. Has that ever happened to you before? Like, how does that like at the moment, what goes through your mind when you hear somebody do that? You, you nodded your head, Kristen. What goes through your mind? Right. You're like, wow, that was so great. And it's awesome. And it's like this weird feeling a little bit because like it's this mixture of. Of like, I'm a little embarrassed, why me? But this is really awesome at the same time, right? What about you, Jacob, when, when this has happened to you? You just wonder like, if they don't know something. Right, right. Okay, if you really knew. If you really knew. If you really knew who you just did that to. And you know, here's the crazy great thing about Jesus is he does know. That's what makes this really great news. OK, because he's he didn't go and say, I'm only looking for everyone who does religion perfectly and who does life perfectly and who does everything meticulously. That's not who I'm actually going to people that to the religious establishment would be very kind of off putting. And you think what an honor, because you would, yeah, I think we would. We would ask ourselves like, man, if he really knew and that's the good news, he really does know. Isn't that really? I mean, hopefully that sinks in, because if not, what ends up happening is like we end up going through the gospel, and for some of you guys, you've read Matthew before, and it's easy to go, well, oh, I've read this, and like all the information just stays right here, and none of it comes to your heart, like none of it affects your heart, and that's a, tra- that's a tragedy for the Bible to be that way, where we just like gain information, but it doesn't change me a, a bit. And so what I love about Jesus, and this is, for me, I cannot tell you the number of times I've read through the Gospels. I, I can't. I mean, I, it's multiple times a year, every year for the last 20 years. I don't know how many that is, except all I know is, as I'm studying this out right now, is, is my life is changing more than I've ever known it to change as a disciple. And it isn't because I'm getting more information, but I really think God is opening my eyes And he's really showing me, like, Keith, this is, I want you to know what it really means to follow me. Like, I really want you to understand this, okay? And so what I love about this is Jesus starts out where I wouldn't start, neither would you, which is, this is how y'all need to be on the inside. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the people who don't think they're all that, right? Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who aren't just going, hey, the world's a sinful place. We might as well just embrace it and... You know, that's how it is. It's like, no, man, I, sin is destroying lives. It, it is. It is destroying lives. I mean, it makes me sad. It makes me angry. It makes me angry in my life. It makes me angry in other people's lives. I have a my older brother passed away a few years ago because he overdosed on pain medication. He was addicted to painkillers. All right. His life was so enmeshed with sin and delusion and all of this kind of stuff. And those kind of things make me sad and angry. Because he didn't find this life. You know, and so I hope that your heart connects to something like that, because it might be you, probably is you, and people that you know, and you're going, wow, sin is messing us up. Sin makes us look at people and judge everyone on what they look like rather than who they are. That's what sin does, okay? Sin makes us want to fight about dumb things. Sin makes us want to protect ourselves. Hopefully, Jesus is going, hey, if you want to really follow me, like, mourn, like, don't It's not a, this is not a fun, happy place to live all the time. And he's saying, this is how you need to be. Not your neighbor, not your parents, not your friends. This is you. You, You're not all that. Man, sin should, uh, should bother us. Man, Jesus says, I'm looking not for the perfect guy. I'm looking for the guy that's hungering for me. And I think everyone knows what it means to hunger for something. Like, man, you want to know what? I, wasn't the, I played baseball my whole life. I wasn't the greatest baseball player in the world. I wasn't the worst baseball player in the world. But I was hungry to be a great baseball player. I was hungry. That didn't mean I was a perfect baseball player. It didn't mean I, I never struck out. It didn't mean I never made an error when I played in the field. It didn't mean any of those things. But you want to know what? There was one thing no one could ever say, man, that dude ain't hungry To become a better, greater baseball player. Because you can see hunger. You can see how we live our lives. Like Jesus is looking for that person saying, hey, are you really hungry to follow me? Are you merciful to the people around you? Right, that's a big one. Like do you give mercy or does everybody have to do everything perfect for you to love them? Does everybody need to be punished to the extent, the furthest extent until you love them? Okay, he said, blessed, he goes, that's how, guys, that's the Beatitudes, that's the first 9, 10, 11 verses of Matthew 5, and here's what I'm going to say, is if, if that's just like information in your mind, God, stop your life with what you're doing, and spend your time digging in, meditating on, asking for help, like how can I be this way, is this happening in my life, because Jesus is about to get into something that we're going to talk about tonight, or this, this morning. Um, And what he's saying is if you guys, if this isn't real, like not just information, but you really are poor in spirit and you really are mourning, you really are gentle and pure in heart and hungering and thirsting for righteousness and merciful and a peacemaker. If these things aren't really realities, then the next thing Jesus is going to talk about and teach is going to become really drudgery, okay, because he's, he's, done this perfectly first of all he has put us in a position to where we're going you mean you know everything about me and you still want me to follow like at this moment remember on wednesday night i share with you guys that little gospel prayer i've been praying it every morning as i start my quiet time that gospel prayer that first part of the gospel that's so important is thank god thank you god that i can't do anything to make you love me more and i haven't done anything that will make you love me less Man, that's the gospel right there. Thank God for that, right? If that isn't good, I mean, man, it really, here's the, when that doesn't become good news, it's because Satan is like right in front of me with his hands over my eyes going, dude, that ain't good news. Hmm. And, and I'm, I'm going, no, 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 that's fantastic news. That's amazing news. That is, um, that I don't, there's nothing I can do, God, to make you love me more. And there's nothing I have done that will make you love me less. Right? Jesus starts out with this gospel of who he is and follow me. And then he says this crazy thing about who you need to be on the inside. And then he starts this teaching, okay? And there's a number of times he says this, you've heard it said. He's gonna say that a lot in five and six and seven. He said, You've heard it said. And he's talking to basically religious people. And he's saying, Y'all have heard the rules of the church before. You've heard it said. And here's what I want us all to take away with us today is he is now going to teach us as we follow him, he's opening up his heart to us and he's saying, guys, this is me. He's talking about Jesus saying, I'm going to show you how I do relationships. Anybody here really good at relationships? (laughs) Did you just look at your boyfriend? (laughs) I got you. (laughs) And he's like... Yeah, and he's like, "Yeah, you're right. <laughs> that was beautiful, by the way." Uh, but uh, the truth of the matter is, is, is if there's one thing that we all do really poorly is have healthy relationships. We we don't do that well. None of us do that well. Some of us do a little better, but eat, eat. we just don't do relationships well. And it's so interesting that Jesus says, "This is how you need to be on the inside." Right, the beatitudes. And now I'm going to open up my heart, and I'm going to show you guys what healthy relationships really look like. And he expects us to not just gain more information from this, but this actually becomes something lived out in our lives. That this is something that becomes what we value. This becomes what our community is about, our family group, our group of three, our house churches, whatever, our, our corporate church here at the Clemson Foothills Church, that this is what you value over everything else because we're learning what Jesus values. Above and beyond everything else. So let's turn over there to Matthew chapter 5 if you aren't there yet. Um, And so anyway, um, we're going to just run through this actually fairly quickly because, again, what I'm learning more than anything is I have to stop long enough to go through Matthew 5 kind of like the 30 for 30 exercise that we do where I've got to sit there and take 30 minutes and just go over this relatively small chapter because it's got to sink deeply into my heart for me to even be honest enough with where I am. All right. Uh, because it's too easy to go. No, no, no. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. All right. But here's what he says right here. Um, in verse 21, he starts out and he says, this is how y'all need to do relationships. He says, you've heard it said. You've heard it said. We won't even read it word for word. You don't have to look down. Because you've heard it said. You've heard it said don't murder. I assume that all of us are on the same page that that's bad. Don't murder. Don't murder. He's like, you've heard it said. And Kristen's like, really? I mean, come on, man. Is that the Greek word there for real? Um, But he said, but I'm going to tell you something. If you're angry at your brother, I'm going to tell you to go and reconcile see, he's going to say, you've heard it said before, if you were to call your brother like a fool, he said, okay, they bring you in front of the governing Jewish authorities, the Sanhedrin. They said, but I tell you, in in my version, they translated, if you call your brother a moron. Do y'all use that word anymore? (laughs) You do? Is it still used? I mean, that's a very 70s and 80s word right there, okay? Um, But he says something really interesting, he says that... um, that if you call your brother that name, that you're basically judged in hell. Be serious about this, isn't he? Because you want healthy relationships, you do not call your brothers and sisters names. Like we can stop right there. Have you ever, ever thought something like? Now I'm not talking about. You may go. I've never said that verbally. But every one of us, I will guarantee it, we have thought about our brothers and sisters, and we have said, that dude is a moron. Some of you may be going, I was just thinking that about you, Keith. (laughs) So, you know, may the Lord, you know, (laughs) disciple your heart, you know. Um, But but the truth is, is, is when you think about that, like what part of this, could you imagine really Jesus sitting down and saying, Everyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Whoever says to his brother, you fool, will be subject to the Sanhedrin. But whoever says, you moron, will be subject to hell. He said, if you're offering your gift at the altar, which, do you guys understand the context of that to a Jewish person? Kind of fill me in on that. Like, what do you understand that context to be? If you're giving your gift at the altar, what would that mean for a Jewish person at that time? Yeah, I mean, they're, 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 they have to come and offer a sacrifice. Um, and he says, hey, if you go and offer a sacrifice, and in your mind you realize somebody has something against me. Here's the interesting thing Jesus said. He says, don't do the religious thing. Don't offer your sacrifice. You go and find your brother and reconcile. Hmm. Like, stop what you're doing. Like, this is what we're talking about. I mean, this is radical, healthy relationships right here. Is there cannot be, there is no way to salvation in having dysfunctional, hateful, name-calling relationships in the church. It just can't happen. There's no way. There is no way that we could possibly read the Bible and think we'd be okay by, by, by thinking, calling people names, Thinking that way about them, like, I may not say it, but this is how I always treat that person. Jesus is saying, this is what it has to happen. If you come, and, and so us, the daily sacrifice for me and you, is us. <laughs> That's us. He says, hey, before y'all get on the altar and try to please God, you better go get it right with your brothers and sisters. Wow. Isn't that fascinating? That's amazing that that's the standard right here. So he's talking about major reconciliation. He says, if you have an adversary, if there's somebody that wants to take you to court, settle before you go to court. All right, this is unworldly expectations. And there's only one way that we're going to do this. There's only one way, is that we see Jesus and we go, dang, that doesn't make any sense to me and it's really hard, but I trust you. Like if you say that's true... And that's how it's supposed to be. That's how I'm doing it. And that might mean that I have to have some talks that are hard. Right. That really might mean that, hey, before the day is over, I've got to sit down and say, you know what? I, let me apologize to you. Listen, I, need, I was wrong in how I treated you. Right? This can never happen again. Okay? I mean, those are the kind of things that, Man, if there isn't like repentance to that and Jesus starts out with this and you got to go, wow. If we if we aren't poor in spirit, we're not going to do this. Mm-hmm. And if we're not mournful about sin and if we aren't hungry for righteousness and if we don't really just think, Jesus, I trust you like you. These are the worst to life. We're not going to do this. We're just going to do things that are going to make us uncomfortable. He goes on and he says, hey listen you've heard it said, don't commit adultery. You've heard that said. That's what Jesus is saying. You've heard that said. Don't even look at someone lustfully. We're talking about like relationship 101 right here. Don't even look because you've already committed adultery in your heart. Jesus is talking about the core of relationships. And you want to know what? It's so funny over the years because it's like as you read Christian writers and authors and all this kind of stuff, it's is, is our sexuality has become more and more just marginalized. Like it's not that big a deal. It's not hurting anybody else. It's not, you know, what you do in your own privacy is, is fine and all that kind of stuff. And, except Jesus actually says, you want to know what? How you treat one another sexually Means everything when it comes to a healthy relationship. Mm. Like sexual morality is not okay. Sexual morality nev- never once creates a healthy relationship, not one single time. But he says, he goes, You can't even think about it. The, the, uh, like, are you feeling that a little bit? Like, whoa, man, this is crazy. We live in a pornographic world. We live in a world that even, hey, if you just took a study of people who say they're Christians, there is no difference in the rate of sexually transmitted diseases and the rate of sexual morality. There's no difference. None with the world. Jesus is telling us to do something right here. And here's the deal is, is I think our first instinct is, what a drag On, bro. and Jesus it's, it's that idea again of going I don't know why but I trust you that this is true yeah. that absolute purity is true that it is so true and I don't know why and everything in me is telling me no to just go and it's not hurting anybody to kind of express myself sexually and to say listen no 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 I trust you. And he's just saying, here's how we have healthy relationships. It's how we interact with one another, how we interact with the opposite sex. And then he says this, he goes, listen, if it really gets to the point where you want to have sex, (laughs) get married, but don't ever get divorced. That's what he says right there. It was also said, you've heard it said as well, whoever divorces his wife has to give her a notice of divorce. I tell you, everyone who divorces his wife, except for the case of sexual immorality, causes her to commit adultery. That's not a popular view today. Because the, our first instinct is going to be like, so you're saying that my mom and dad are this, or you're saying that, or you're saying, and I'm going, but see, that's the perfect example of us saying, okay, as long as there's a lot of sin, let's just make it okay. Instead of going, hold on a minute, here's the cornerstone of healthy relationships is that person that you think I want to have sex with. You want to know what, how you interact with each other before you get married? Will determine how your marriage goes. Okay? Because if you won't follow God before you're married, what makes you think that your spouse is going to stay faithful after marriage? Seriously, I want you to think about that, okay? Is the idea of going, oh, hold on a minute, we couldn't follow God before we got married so when you or your spouse are at work one day what's going to make them say oh no no I follow God now Saying, so no 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 I went with how I felt then and I'll go with how I feel now right. how about that for security in a marriage how about that for like reworking kind of how we think and going and Jesus going listen when I say don't ever get divorced listen there's only one way is absolute purity before you're married because then you want to know what you're going to be able to do? You're going to trust God with why that matters. And number two, the trust you have with your spouse will be unbreakable. Because you will know that your spouse was like, we are following God. I will protect your purity. Okay? That's the greatest trust you can possibly have in a marriage. The greatest right here. And Jesus is going, hey, this is just how it Should be. This is healthy relationships, okay? And he goes on to tell the truth. He said, here's what it, what else I want to say. Jesus said, you've heard, you know, these other things about, you know, swearing on things. Have you ever done that before? Like, man, I swear on my mother's grave. I swear on, what's another one? I don't even know another one. That's appropriate. Yeah, I swear on a stack of Bibles that this is true. I swear. And and he's saying the reason you have to do that is because you're innately dishonest. It's because you have to convince people. Because if you were just to say, no, I'm telling you the truth, they'd be like, whatever, you're a liar. He said that's the norm for people. He's like, I'm saying that your yes should be yes and your no should be no. So when you go, if somebody asks you like, hey, did that happen? Yes. Well, can you make it stronger than that? Like, I swear Yes no 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 it should be like when you say yes people are like that's the truth there's no greater yes when you say no there's no greater no when we tell the truth it isn't over dramatized right and he's saying here's you ever had a friend lie to you before pretty much everybody has i bet you Mm -hmm. how to make you feel what to do to the relationship right and we're forgetting, Jesus going, you want, you want rock-solid relationships? And remember, Jesus, Jesus, this is the precursor for him building the church. He says, you want to have rock-solid relationships with people that are not like you? Do you want to know how to do that? Be so honest that your yes is yes and your no is no. Be that honest. And that will ha- you will have immensely fulfilling relationships. Because trust is everything. Man, when you trust people in life better, aren't you happier when there's trust? Man, that matters. This is just Jesus. This is kind of tough, isn't it? I hope we all feel a little bit overwhelmed. That's a good thing, okay? That's a really good thing because here's why. Again, Jesus, I don't want this to happen. Where you're going, I am so horrible at this. That Jesus would never have me follow him. Understand something. He's telling this to people that he's training to follow him. Mm-hmm. He's telling this to people who are following him. Okay? And so understand something is let's not put Jesus in a place where, we're, where we think he's going, oh, no, 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 I just taught this to make you feel horrible, and now I'm going to go find people I like better. He's going, no, 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 you guys are following me. We need to really talk about this. Because life doesn't go any further than these core foundational teachings. And Jesus is saying, I want you to hear this. Jesus is saying, I want you to trust me enough to know that although this seems hard and awkward at times, this will give you life to the full here on this earth. This will change how you do things. This is why people will come amongst you and go, I want that. This is why if we don't do this, what ends up happening is people come amongst us and go, it's a big deal. Yeah. We've all heard it said. We all do religion the same way. Okay? Jesus is saying these things, and then he finishes right there and he says, you know, you've heard it said to love your neighbor. Love the person who, man, you like a lot. Love your friends. And he said, in my kingdom, my followers are going to love their enemies. Do you know why he tells us to do that? Why do you think Jesus says that? Like, I'm like, come on, Jesus is hard enough, man. (laughs) Like, you've made it tough enough already. Why do you think Jesus said, you've heard it said, love your brother, love your neighbor, love your friend. But I say in my kingdom, love your enemy. Why did he say that? Why does Jesus value this? What do you think? Yeah. Because he cares for everyone. He cares for everyone, yes. I mean, he loved us when we were God's enemies. He's saying, you want to know what? You're my enemy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's a hard pill to swallow, huh? He's going, here's why I want you guys to love your enemies. Because before you started following me, you were my enemy. And that, that's, a, that's a paradigm shift right there, isn't it? Because a lot of times we think, man, Jesus, we were buddies. And then he came along, and he's like, hey, dude, you're great. Come on, follow me. This is awesome. No, 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 no. He came into our camp of enemies. He came into your world and my world of enemies. We were good. We weren't okay. We weren't just like these friendly, like, hey, he wants me in his club, and that's great because I'm a screw up, and oh, this is so awesome, and all that kind of stuff. He's actually going, no, I, I went to my enemy, uh, that's you, by the way, and me, and loved you. And there's this overwhelming sense of discipleship that he's teaching us right there, okay? Because he's saying, if my own people that follow me don't know how to love their enemies, then we've missed the boat. There's no way the church functions. There's no way disciples make it. There's no way other people see the gospel unless my people love their enemies. There's no way. There is no way for for them to retaliate. There's no way for them to go after and be vengeful to people. There's no way for that to happen and for what Jesus is saying he values in his kingdom. Okay? But man, doesn't that have to sink deeply into our heart? Like we're going, dang, for real? Like all of these things he's telling us to do, you know what he's saying? I've already been this way to you. Yeah. I've already been this way to you. I protect your purity. I loved you when you were enemy. I, I, listen, Jesus goes more than the extra mile for us. <laughs> all right? <laughs> Jesus was like, hey, those, they need sinning. I'm not going to wait for them. I'm going to pursue them. I'm going to die for them before they ask me for it. These are all things that Jesus is teaching us how to do life. This isn't religion. This really isn't. There's nothing religious necessarily about this. But Jesus is going, hey, come and follow me, and I'm going to teach you how to do life. And it starts right here. It starts right here, okay? If you want to sum it up in a couple of verses, you can write this down. Romans 12 two. Paul wrote it this way. Don't conform to the patterns of the world. It's the same thing that Jesus just said. He's like, look at the world's pattern. Like, how does the world do relationships? How does the world as you go through here? How does the world esteem humility? They don't. You, you need to take care of you in the world. Jesus is telling the opposite. He's like, there's a pattern of the world. The pattern of the world is just don't murder somebody. Just don't hurt somebody physically. That's the pattern of the world. But he, he's saying don't conform to that pattern. Don't conform to the pattern of dating. Don't conform to the pattern of marriage. Don't conform to the pattern of revenge. Don't conform to the pattern of going in and, and, and resisting your enemy. Don't conform to that because that's what the world does. All right, that's Romans 12, 2. And here's big picture right here, Acts 2.42. Okay, I want you to look over that because here's what is probably one of the most stunning things right here. The people who heard this, the people who understood this, okay. When Jesus died, then you you had nothing after Jesus died. You had people that kind of went off and kind of did their thing. All right. And then you had Pentecost. You had Jesus going, okay. Pentecost is going to be where all of my teachings of people and following me, I'm going to now give them a community. I'm going to give them a community to be a part of, and that community cannot be of people who are the same. That community cannot be of people who just come from the same background, the same socioeconomic status. It cannot come from the same religious group. It's got to be this humongous community that will go out and reach every people group in the world. And there's only one way that this group will work because whenever you get a group of people together that are different, okay? The first thing that goes is relationships because you don't see things how I see things and you didn't grow up how I grew up and you don't do things the way I do things and I see things this way and you see things that way. And Jesus taught this whole thing about how we would do relationships because all of the people from diverse backgrounds will come together and go, we're following Jesus. And this is how we do it. Like, I've heard it said how I do it, but that's not how Jesus does it. And I'm committed to doing it that way. And you want to know what? Everyone understood, and they came together. And you want to know what they did? Is they came together every day in the temple course. They met, they were with one another. And they were devoted to these things. And I, want you, I just want to ask you if you're devoted to these things. To prayer? Would you say, man, I am absolutely devoted to prayer? Mm-hmm. Like, there is... I got things that I have to talk to God about because there ain't nobody else I can talk to about it. Right. And that doesn't mean I hide it from people. I'm saying they can't help me. Okay? I go and talk to my brother and sisters. So and I'm like, hey, just pray for me because I'm a wreck. Okay? But they can't change me, but I know God can change me. Right. Okay? And so it's devoted to prayer, devoted to the apostles' teachings. They taught what Jesus taught, by the way, just so you know. Going, what is that? Where do you find those? Right there in the Bible. Okay? devoted to fellowship, okay, of knowing that there's only one way that my friends and family are going to become disciples. They've got to see how healthy community works. Yeah. But here's what the church wasn't, and I want to be really clear about this. The church was not a closed community. Yeah. I want you to really think about this, because here's what, here's what religion does. We start a holy huddle, yeah. Yeah. and we figure out what are the things that make us most comfortable. All right. We, we, we had talked about this in Tallahassee for a while is uh, our, our campus group would get together all the time. and They go, hey, you know what we need to do tonight? We need to have a singing Devo and that's going to be great. And that's what we need to do. And I'm going, you know what? Lost people don't do singing Devos. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wasn't going to go to a singing Devo if you invited me out of church. Hey, you want to come singing Devo on Friday night? Really? <laughs> I'm going out on Friday night. <laughs> OK, that might be OK for your closed community. But the church was an open community. In verse 47, it said the Lord added to their number daily, those who were being saved. You don't know how? Because they were invited in to the community. Yeah. They were invited into the community, not like, hey, let's do some really weird religious things together and then, like, just hope other people like to do those too. Yeah. Yep. That's right. Come on, bro. You know, and so anyway, why I'm saying that is because we've got to live this way. And, 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 man, our heart has to be this way, just relationally. And understand Jesus was forming the church. This is the precursor of the community where he's going to be there. Everyone's going come to come together. And you know what they're going to do? They're going to have glad and sincere hearts when they're together. Glad and sincere hearts. How many times do you think of the church and you're like, okay, well, if I have to get together, I'll get together. You mean I got to do that? Yeah, I got to go to that thing? I, I got to do, yeah, really? I, okay, I'll go, but I'm not going to like it because I don't like these people. Or, or okay, I'll, I'll go and pretend like I do. Instead of going, hold on a minute, let me repent. Yeah. And let me love other people the way Jesus loves me. Not love to me, loves me. Right. Like, man, you know what? Jesus came into my camp when I was his enemy and was merciful and drew me in and lavished grace on me and gave me wonderful family and wonderful friends. That's what he did for me. He welcomed me in as an enemy to his community. All right? And that's got to be our hallmark. That's the end of the whole thing. Jesus' point is, is if this can't happen, then Jesus is like, there is no more, like there's no further, there's no community past that. There's just doing life among the pattern of the world. So hopefully this calls your heart and my heart to repentance. It isn't, hey, and if you don't have this perfect, then you need to quit. No, no, no. Jesus is simply, he taught us a lesson on how to do healthy relationships. And so the question is for each one of us is, what will I do today? I mean, I'm sure there's something in there for all of us yeah. to go. I cannot let the day go past without, I've got to repent on how I think about this, on what I need to do. Maybe I need to go talk to a brother or sister. Maybe I need to do something. But if I... This cannot leave us as just information. Yeah. Cannot. Right. Cannot do this. I mean, this is, these are things that will change everything. And I'm going to tell you the three things. I'm going to leave you with this that I feel like has probably changed more about me in the past six months, I would say, than ever. Is every single day, really writing down what I'm grateful for. Mm-hmm. There ain't anything that helps me love people <laughs> more than every day? Literally, like getting myself like to be grateful because I'm not it's amazing what gratitude has done for me I'm just saying I understand now when Jesus said when Paul writes man be thankful in all circumstances I'm like oh you know what I get that because I don't know what it's done except it's softened my heart is that thing I shared on Wednesday the gospel prayer man every morning just getting down on my knees and praying that and praying through that It's like it's given me this entirely different outlook. And then the third thing is, is every single day, practicing obedience. That may sound really stupid. (laughs) But you want to know what? I got out of the practice of obedience. I got out of the practice, because for me to obey faithfully, I've got to trust Jesus. And when I stop practicing obedience, I can live a very good religious life and not really be obedient. Like, I can abstain from lots of things just because I'm type A, strong-willed person. But it's the idea of every day reteaching myself to go, what will I obey today? What is God telling me to obey where he's saying, Keith, I want you to do this. I want you to trust me enough to step out of your comfort zone. I want you to trust me enough to go over there and apologize. I want you to trust me enough to go over there and love that person. I want you to trust me enough to go and and do whatever. Man, I'm going to tell you, it's changed my heart. And I'm coming up on here in a couple months of being a disciple for 20 years. And I feel like an old dog that's learned new tricks. Okay, yeah, exactly. Can I hear it from the other old dog in here? You know, it's like, you know, but it's that idea. So that's what I'm sharing. I'm just saying, stop. If you have to take this entire week to just dig into this chapter 5 and let it sink down into your heart and talk and encourage and inspire one another and move forward, let's do that. This is really awesome stuff right here. And again, what an honor for Jesus to say, I'm going to teach you this.